Decemberists, This Is Why We Fight, from their 2006 album, excuse me, The King Is Dead. And this is Labor Lines on KRFP 90.3 FM, Moscow, Idaho, krfp.org, Labor Lines. Labor Lines, the radio show here, and now Labor Lines on podcast platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, Overcast, and a few others. I'm John Andercheck, going into my second year, going into my third year, actually, here on KRFP. Again, I'd like to thank Lee Robertos and all the board members, all the members of the community that have kept this station alive and growing, growing and getting stronger. Going and growing, excuse me. Again, I'm recording this from home on the 21st of January for play out on the 26th of January in a few days. Uh, The bulk of the show will be the first two parts of an interview with, again, Restaurant Workers Council members, Diego, uh, Eric, excuse me, and Jesus. There we'll talk about the wage... Uh, the tip wage system in restaurant work as part of their building of a movement towards a sectoral organization into an independent and democratic union out there in New York City. Uh, we had a great session, lasted about two hours, so I'm going to be breaking it down, two half-hour segments on this show, and then most likely 
the last two half-hour segments next week. So, two-hour show here on KRFP. Hour of that interview. Some music around that. So, please stay tuned. Thank you so much. And we work hard for the crack Sleeping late on Sundays Well, I never get to mass It's a long, long way from Claire to here It's a long way from Claire to here It's a long, long way And it gets further day by day Oh, it's a long, long way from Claire to here When Friday comes around, well, Terry's only into fighting Me ma would like a letter home, but I'm too tired for writing It's a long, long way from Claire to here It's a long way from Claire to here a long, long way and it gets further day by day. Oh, it's a long, long way from Claire to here. It almost breaks my heart when I think of Josephine. I told her I'd be coming home with pockets full of green. Oh, it's a long, long way from Claire to here. It's a long way from Claire to here It's a long, long way and it gets further day by day Oh, it's a long, long way from Claire to here The only time that I feel alright is when I'm into drinking It sort of ease the pain of it and it levels out my thinking Oh, it's a long, long way from Claire to here It's a long way from Claire to here It's a long, long way and it gets further day by day Oh, it's a long, long way from Claire to here Sometimes hear a fiddle play Or maybe it's a notion I dream I see white horses dance Upon that other ocean It's a long, long way from Claire to here A long way from Claire to here It's a long, long way and it gets full day by day Oh, it's a long, long way from Claire to here It's a long way 
Sixty, my dear and loving son John, your good friend, the schoolmaster Pat McNamara, so good as to write these words down. Your brothers have all gone to find work in England. The house is so empty and sad, and the crop of potatoes is sorely infected. A thirty a half of them bad. And your sister Bridget and Patrick O'Donnell are going to be married in June. And your mother says not to work on the railroad, be sure to come on home soon. Kilkelly, Ireland, 18 and 17, my dear and loving son John. Hello to your missus and to your four children, oh may they grow healthy and strong. And Michael has got in a wee bit of trouble, I suppose that he never will learn. And because of the dampness there's no turf to speak of, now we have nothing to burn. And Bridget is happy, named the giant for her all those got six of her own You say you found work but you don't say what kind or when you will be coming home Kilkelly, Ireland 18 and 80 Dear Michael and John my sons I am sorry to give you the very sad news that your dear old mother passed on. We buried her down at the church in Kilkenny. Your brothers and Bridget were there. And you don't have to worry, she died very quickly. Remember her and your prayers. And it's so good to hear that Michael's returning with money. He's sure to buy land For the crop has been poor And the people are selling At any price that they can Kilkelly, Ireland, 18 and 90 My dear and loving son John I suppose that I might go on close to 80 it's been 30 years since you've gone But because of all of the money you sent me I am still living out on my own And Michael has built himself a fine house And Bridget's daughters are grown 
Oh, and thank you for sending your family pictures They lovely young women and men They say that you might even come for a visit What joy to see you again I'm sorry I didn't write sooner to tell you that father passed on. He was living with Bridget, she said he was cheerful and healthy right down to the end. You should have seen him playing with the grandchildren of Tat Magnamara, your friend. And we buried him alongside a mother down at the Kilkenny churchyard. He was a strong and a feisty young man, considering his life was so hard. And it's funny the way he kept talking about you. He called for you at the end. Oh, I don't. Think about coming to visit. We'd all love to see you again.
up the Irish crew Given four days wages for the hell that they'd been through No celebrated glory or what lay in their end Lost out in the desert with the other men Eight Irish workers chosen for the day With the Chinese labor, ten mile of track they lay From the chill of morning into the burning sun Racing to the future, to them the prize was won Bulldozers and dirt, bulldozers and dirt. 
Chelsea Savage with the classic, Ain't Nothing Finer Than a Rich Pipeliner. Then we have Drive-By Truckers, TVA, no, excuse me, Drive-By Truckers, Bulldozers and Dirt. Black Irish Band, Eight Irish Workers, Almost Irish and Chris McMullen, Kill Kelly. And we started out with Ralph McTell from here to Claire. I'm John Andercheck. You can reach me via Twitter at LaborLineJohn or at LaborLineJohn at Yahoo.com. Uh, this show, Labor Lines on KRFP, if you wish to become part of this community-supported, community-supporting radio station with all its great programming, please go to KRFP.org and find out how. Like many such organizations, COVID has kind of put us on the ropes we lost our two major fundraisers at the start of the pandemic slash economic crash. And thanks to the hard work of people like Lee Robertos, our station manager, and others, we're still on the feet, are on our feet. But please, considering consider chipping in what you can. Thank you. Okay, here I am, John Andercheck, Labor Lines, the podcast, Labor Lines, the radio show on KRFP 90.3 FM, Moscow. I'm sitting at my home. It is the 15th of January, and via Zoom, I'm being joined by Diego, Jesus, and Eric with the Restaurant Workers Council out of New York City. Uh, coming back together again, we're going to go over what's uh, happening on their end in their effort to organize 
the restaurant sector right now in New York City in an independent and democratic union. So uh, with that, I'm going to turn it over to you three. All right. Uh, thank you, John, for having us. As always, it's a pleasure. Uh, for those of you who might be listening for the first time, uh, we're with the Restaurant Ca Workers Council, uh, Consejo de Trabajadores de Restaurantes out of uh, New York. Uh, like John said, uh, we're trying to form an independent and democratic union that will organize all restaurant workers in our sector, in our city, and eventually uh, beyond. Uh, we see that the crisis shows us why we need organization, and we find that it's a moment in which uh, uh, it's time to begin down that uh, long and uh, difficult uh, path. Uh, como acabamos de decir, somos el Consejo de Trabajadores del Restaurante de la Ciudad de Nueva York. Uh, tenemos la meta de organizar al sector de restaurantes en nuestra ciudad y uh, más allá en un sindicato democrático e independiente. Uh, esta crisis nos ha enseñado la necesidad de estar organizados y también uh, nos ha dado una oportunidad de empezar en este uh, camino que será uh, largo y difícil, pero acabaremos uh, en victoria seguramente. Um, so uh, we have a few things that we were uh, prepared to talk about today, about uh, recent uh, analysis on the tipping system and our position on why uh, we feel like it needs to change. Uh, we'd be happy to talk about the past year as well. Go, go right ahead. Again, the voice is yours here. Uh, for all three of you, uh, uh, just throw this comment in there. Uh, I have a family background in... Uh, restaurant work, uh, my mother, uh, myself, almost everybody in my family, one way or the other, our children have worked in it. And uh, tipping has been this uh, issue uh, and can be very problematic no matter what, but uh, especially for women. So right. go ahead. Right, right. Um, so uh, we find that the tipping museum, uh, the tipping system is something that belongs in a museum along, by, along with other things that have been uh, discarded by the worker movement when it comes to child labor, 18 hour days, all of those things that have been long gotten rid of. Uh, <clears throat> we find that uh, this position can be a little bit confusing for people that aren't familiar with it. They see it as something inherent and something eternal. And uh, for this reason, we have to clarify our position. Uh, if I can repeat in Spanish. Uh, creemos que uh, el costumbre de propina debería pertenecer a un museo al lado de uh, otras reliquias que han sido uh, tirados a la calle por uh, el movimiento de trabajadores. Uh, uh, hay cierta confusión sobre el sistema y por esa razón tenemos que clarificar. Um, I think uh, before we begin, it's a good uh, to point out that uh, since restaurants have existed, tipping has existed, and since tipping has existed, restaurant workers have actually fought to end the tipping system and replace it with a high hourly wage. This is something that we see... Uh, since 1848 and even earlier. Uh, so it's part of a very long tradition that I think that we should take up and uh, uh, take to its conclusion. This is not a new idea by any means. So uh, <clears throat> we have a few points. Uh, the first is that uh, in general, tip workers suffer poverty at nearly twice the rate of non-tip workers. This is uh, due to a lack of uh, wage stability and the fact that tip workers are rarely organized and uh, a second point that follows from that is that tip workers aren't inclined to struggle against the boss since the wage, ri wage rises and falls with profitability of the restaurant. And so um, that foments the illusion that the interests of the boss and the workers are the same. Uh, 
following from that, uh, tipped workers tend towards a certain uh, individualism, which could uh, manifest itself in uh, restaurants. Like we've all seen, those of us who've worked there, that uh, uh, tipped workers will often feel that they need to manage and discipline their fellow workers. And uh, in the case that that works out, uh, sometimes tipped workers in certain restaurants take home a relatively high wage, which resides at, uh, results in a hierarchy of wages that doesn't benefit anyone in the restaurant. In reality, it weakens the collective force of restaurant workers. And then, of course, as you alluded to, John, uh, tip workers have to endure the indignity of begging and scraping for their wage. Uh, high tips are uh, <clears throat> a translation in monetary terms of obsequiousness, which uh, can lead to uh, uh, a situation in which uh, abuse is endemic and very difficult to get rid of. Uh, para los que hablan español, uh, decimos que hay varias razones por qué oponemos al sistema, al sistema de propina. El primero es que los trabajadores propinados la, sufren la pobreza casi doble la tasa de los que no son propinados, uh, que viene de la falta de seguridad. Uh, segundo, los trabajadores propinados no están generalmente dispuestos a luchar por sus inter intereses contra los patrones porque uh, la apariencia del sistema de, prop de propina lo hace parecer que uh, los trabajadores tienen el mismo interés que los jefes. Eh, también vemos a veces que los trabajadores propinados pueden uh, tender hacia el individualismo, que les uh, llega a dirigir y disciplinar a sus compañeros trabajadores en lugar de uh, verles realmente como camaradas. Eh, también vemos que uh, cuando los trabajadores propinados en ciertos restaurantes se llevan un salario relativamente alto. Eso resulta en una jerarquía de salarios que divide el restaurante y que en, ana, en el análisis final uh, no va bien para nadie. Y también, también vemos un problema en que los trabajadores propinados tienen que subir uh, la indignidad de tener que rogar y suplicar por su salario, que debería ser uh, dado y mereci merecido. Uh, esto... Uh, causa una situación en que el abuso y el acoso puede ser endémico y en que uh, no es fácil uh, luchar contra eso. So, uh, <clears throat> we find that uh, all the problems that come as a consequence of the tipping system could be undone by a union contract that replaces tips with a high guaranteed and uniform wage uh, that would be paid directly out of the owner's pockets instead of, um, this is of course in contrast to the tipping system now, and in terms of tip sharing schemes that have been propagated by people like uh, Danny Meyer, David Chang, One Fair Wage, and interestingly enough, recently the uh, Trump DOL. Uh, and to understand this closely, we need to uh, uh, talk about um, some basics of political economy, including the, the wage, the essence of the wage and uh, various different wage forms. Right. Uh, and again, from uh, my limited experience, uh, in restaurant, I know you talked about how uh, some workers will take it upon themselves to manage to, you know, kind of a power structure there. And uh, a lot of times that doesn't, it, that, from my experience, again, it broke down into the front and the back that, uh, and it erodes the sense that uh, uh, all work has, has, a, has dignity to it. All workers have dignity, uh, have the inherent dignity uh, as part of humanity. Uh, and this would go a long way. So 
again, it's a long march, certainly different than all these other schemes you talk about, certainly different than the idea of raising minimum wage. So again, uh, go right ahead, please. Um, right. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, Eric, do you wanna talk about the basics of the wage? Should we go on? Yeah, yeah. I, I'll just say that uh, um, just in response to what John said, that this tendency towards individualism of uh, managing and disciplining fellow workers is a direct result of the fact that the wage, the tipped wage depends on the capacity of all workers in the tip pool to garner a high tip percentage on sales. Um, and so this is one of the problems that we see. Diego went over the whole uh, gamut of problems, poverty, passivity, individualism, wage hierarchy, uh, degrading servility, uh, that a high uniform time wage for all workers uh, should replace. Um, but yes, I'll talk a little bit about what a tip in fact is. Um, it's important, I think, to recognize that tipping is just one of many forms taken by the wage. And so first we need to understand what is a wage. And so this will be a little bit of a detour, uh, but I think it will be, it's necessary to understand uh, in a scientific manner, what is the tipped wage? Uh, so in the capitalist system, of course, workers are hired by employers, by capitalists who pay the workers a sum of money for every hour they work. Uh, that sum of money is the wage. And therefore on the surface, uh, the wage appears to be the price of labor the price of labor, but that is an illusion. Uh, because what capitalists purchase on the labor market is not labor as such, uh, but temporary use of the workers to labor. Uh, the wage is used to maintain our physical and mental capacity to work, that is our labor power. Uh, so in particular, the wage is used to purchase the wage goods we require to reproduce our capacity to work, our labor power for ourselves and for our family every day. So labor power is the power to work, the ability of a worker to work. Workers are able to work only when our requirements of life are satisfied, if we don't have a means of eating, drinking, sheltering, clothing, uh, entertaining ourselves, we can't work. We have no labor power. And if our requirements of life are not satisfied to the full, then our labor power will be correspondingly diminished. Consequently, labor power is produced by the satisfaction of the necessary requirements of the worker. So its value is the value of those things that we need uh, to satisfy uh, our uh, social needs. So that means our fundamental requirements, our natural requirements, but also so-called artificial requirements that have become habitual for workers that can't be dispensed with. So if we're accustomed to smoke or read newspapers or go out to eat once a week, then all of that will enter into the value of labor power in a given society at a given point in time. Um, okay, so the value of the basket of wage goods in a given society is the value around which wages fluctuate. They can be a little more, uh, they can be a little less. So in practice, the market price of labor power doesn't always conform exactly to its value. It can be higher or lower. Uh, but let's give an example. Um, let's say workers in 2021, January 2021, need $150 a day to live on average in New York City. It will be different in Idaho, 
It will be different in other countries. It will be different 10 years ago. But 2021 in New York City, let's say it's $150 per day. Uh, and a line cook in a restaurant, let's say, produces 80 meals in an eight-hour shift. So 10 meals an hour, that's a meal every six minutes. Each of those meals sells for $50. Uh, then every shift, the restaurant will sell 80 meals at $50 a meal. That is 4,000. Oh, I just realized that Diego needs to translate, but let me get through this and then. Yeah, and then we'll $4,000 $4, worth of food made by this line cook. So of this amount, let's say half covers raw materials, wear and tear to machinery, other non-labor inputs, whose cost will be transferred to the consumer. So after subtracting that cost, the cook produces $2,000 of new value with their labor per shift, which is in eight hours, 2,250 an hour. So if the wage was 2,000 per shift or 250 an hour, the owner wouldn't make a dime. Uh, but we know that the wage of the worker is determined not by the uh, actual labor, by what workers have to spend every day to live in society, which we said we stipulated was $150 a day. So the cook makes 150 for themselves or in eight hours, that would be 1875 an hour. And the wage is covered by the first six meals they make, which sell for $300, half of which is newly produced value. The rest is non-labor costs that are passed to the consumer. So since each meal takes six minutes to produce, the wage will be reproduced in th the first 36 minutes of the shift, and the owner will pocket the remaining $1,850 in newly produced value from the remaining meals, the remaining 74 meals. Uh, so in this way, uh, the cook works for seven hours and 24 minutes for free, and this is the normal functioning of capitalism. Uh, if workers were paid for all the value they produced with their labor, there'd be no possibility of profits, but profits are the lifeblood of capitalism. And since the wage is determined by the value of labor power, uh, the capitalist only has to make the worker work longer than it takes to reproduce that value to begin profiting. So in our example, the restaurant owner needed to make sure our line cook worked 36 minutes. I know that was a lot, Diego, but Uh, let me see if I can catch the gist. Um, pues, uh, como estamos discutiendo en el sistema capitalista, los trabajadores uh, son contratados por uh, capitalistas que uh, pagan una cantidad de dinero a los trabajadores por cada hora que trabajan. Esto es uh, el salario en su apariencia. Uh, superficialmente el salario parece ser el precio de trabajo, pero es una ilusión porque sabemos que uh, lo que los capitalistas compran en el mercado laboral no es el trabajo, sino que es el uso de los trabajadores. El salario se usa para mantener la capacidad física y mental para trabajar. trabajar. Es decir, una fuerza de trabajo. No están pagando por el trabajo, sino la capacidad de trabajar, que está sostenido por los bienes de consumo que un trabajador requiere para trabajar. Uh, de uh, él mismo o de sus familias cada día. Uh, esto tiene que ver con uh, necesidades uh, biológicas, pero también con ne necesidades sociales. Como un ejemplo que damos es que, uh, teóricamente, uno, uh, si imagina, im imaginamos a una, a una persona fuera de la sociedad, puede sobrevivir perfectamente bien 
sin uh, teléfono móvil, pero en esta sociedad donde lo necesitas para trabajar, para estar en contacto con su jefe, para hacer casi todas las cosas sociales que uno tiene que hacer, uh, eso uh, forma parte del coste del salario. Uh, y podemos ilustrarlo con un ejemplo, digamos que uh, en, una, en una ciudad, digamos en Nueva York, uh, <coughs> los trabajadores necesitan por promedio 150 dólares por día para vivir. Uh, eso es diferente en varias sociedades, en varios lugares y en varias épocas, pero digamos que en enero de 2021 uh, sea así. Y digamos que un cocinero de línea produce uh, más o menos 80 comidas en un turno de 8 horas, es decir, una comida cada 6 minutos, y, y cada uno vende por unos 50 dólares cada turno. El restaurante vendería uh, 80 comidas uh, por uh, 50 dólares cada una, que sería uh, 4.000 dólares. Si decimos que en medio de eso unos 2.000 dólares uh, cubre las materias primas, el uso de uh, máquinas, otros gastos que no tienen que, hacer con, tienen que ver con el labor directamente. Uh, salimos uh, con el cocinero produciendo 2.000 dólares de valor nuevo con su trabajo cada turno o el trabajador único está produciendo 250 dólares por hora, pero obviamente los trabajadores no están pagados por todo el valor nuevo que producen porque de, de ahí vienen uh, las ganancias capitalistas uh, que vienen de la diferencia entre el coste, el precio de uh, reproducir la fuerza de, traba de trabajo y uh, el valor que uh, verdaderamente está uh, uh, añadido a los pro productos por los trabajadores. Pero como vemos, de esto vienen las ganancias y es parte del funcionamiento normal del capitalismo, esencial. Así que en nuestro ejemplo, el cocinero que gana, digamos, 150 dividido por 8 horas son 18,75 céntimos por hora. Él produce, produce su propio salario en los primeros 36 minutos del turno, es decir, que las ganancias vienen de, los, de las 7 horas y 24 minutos que el trabajador esencialmente trabaja gratis. Y vemos que el salario puede tomar uh, varias formas. Let me just pause uh, before going on to what the tipped wages, if there's any question, John. John, you're muted. There you go. Excuse me. Uh, you laid that out well, Eric. Um, I, I think ultimately, uh, people listening to this, uh, you know, it's 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 a wide and diverse audience. I like to think uh, you're critiquing the capitalist system as well as the tip system, and pointing out uh, uh, the profitability or into baked into the system. But your focus right now is on organizing the workplace. Correct. Uh, right, right. But we feel that to yes. organize the workplace, we need to understand what the tipping system is. And in order to understand that, we need to understand the wage form. Very so good. So from there, it all begins. I mean, I uh, I, I personally think that uh, workers need to know as much about the functioning of political economy as anyone else. Absolutely. To be able to correctly uh, change our circumstances. Okay. I, I can again. make the point, I think. 
Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say I can make the point rather simply, uh, because what I wanted to just establish is that the wage depends on the value of wage goods. Uh, the government knows that when they calculate CPI, the Consumer Price Index. Um, uh, but there is an illusion that is built into the system that you are paid for your labor and not your labor power. That is the wage goods you consume in order to show up, uh, recharge your batteries every day. Uh, and the tipping form is just one form of the wage form. So the most familiar form to us would be the time wage. Uh, and what is a time wage? Um, the time wage is determined by taking the value, average daily value of wage goods, dividing it by the hours in a working day. So we have $150 a day, an eight hour shift that comes to 1875 an hour. Another basic form is the peace wage, a little less common, but in certain sectors, it's the norm, uh, which pays the worker according to the number of items they produce. Uh, the more the worker produces, the more they get in wages. This makes it seem like you're being paid for every product you produce. But in reality, the peace wage is not essentially different from the time wage. And that's because when capitalists set the wage per unit of product, they consider the daily wage and the average quantity of units produced. Uh, so in our example, you'd have $150 being the daily wage divided by 80 meals to get paid $1.88 per meal. So it's a different form of reaching that 150. And then we can get to the tipped form, uh, which is our focus here. Uh, as with any worker, the daily wage of a tipped worker depends also on the daily value of wage goods that you need to consume on average in a given society. So in our example, uh, we said the value of labor power is 150 a day. That's what we need. Most tipped workers, however, in New York City make a sub-minimum time wage. Um, and let's say that sub-minimum time wage is $7.85 an hour, which is what it is. In an eight hour shift, that will be around $60. That means the wage covers around 40%. The time wage covers around 40% of the total wage. And so the question, where does the remaining 60% come from? Uh, as everyone knows, the remainder comes out of tips on sales. So the tipping system is a kind of dividend wage system uh, in which at the end of a given period, uh, a dividend is distributed to workers based on the level of sales or profits earned by the company. But this dividend wage system, the notion that the wage is a general dividend deducted from profits is an illusion. The dividends here in the form of tips are just advanced deductions from your basic wage. That's the basic point here. That's the fundamental point. Tips are an advanced deduction from your basic wage. So in our example, a 60% deduction from the $150 workers in New York City in 2021 need to purchase the goods they need to reproduce uh, their labor power every day. So in other words, tips are a substitution that are paid for by the customers if they're so inclined for that 60% that in other wage forms are paid out by the owner. If I was on a construction site, I would never ask another worker to pay part of their wages. I would never have the customers pay the wage directly. I'm paid by the owner. And that's how it is in most sectors. Uh, and so this, is this, this dividend illusion is harmful because it leads to this belief uh, 
common among tipped workers that their interests are aligned with the owners. Yeah. Uh, and just like with the peace wage, the tipped wage will lure workers to increase their intensity of labor. You have to turn over ta tables as fast as you can. You have to accept whatever harsh conditions we impose. You have to police your coworkers because everything depends on that money in the tipped pool. So of course, this arrangement benefits the owner immensely who no matter what only has to pay a sub-minimum time wage to each tipped worker. Right, that's there's some great points there. Again, this is John Andercheck with Labor Lines, Labor Lines the podcast, Labor Lines the show on KRFP, Moscow, Idaho. I'm being joined today, I'm recording from my home on the 15th of January with Diego, Eric and Jesus with the Restaurant Workers Council out of New York City right now. So